MDOT presents The Extra Mile with Paul and Waverly. Welcome in to The Extra Mile Podcast, presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm Paul Couture, MDOT Digital Media Manager. And I'm your co-host, Waverly McCarthy, the social media strategist here at MDOT. We are so excited to get this podcast up and running. It's taken a lot of hard work and planning. We're here, and we have a great first show for you today. First, we'll be talking hurricanes with MDOT Public Information Officer Katie Hornsby. She'll also give us some updates about projects happening down south. And then a little later in the show, we'll sit down with MDOT's newest executive director, Brad White. Right, you ready to dive in? Let's do it. Joining us is Katie Hornsby. She's a public information officer for South Mississippi. Welcome in, Katie. Hey, thank hey, you so Katie. much for having me. Hi. Excited excited uh, to have you as our uh, first interview of the podcast. Um, and we'll just, we'll get started and dive right in. We all know that hurricane season last year was kind of, uh, kind of intense. So pl- I know we're not, we're not meteorologists here, but we do keep track of what, you know, the, the National Weather Service has to say and everything. So what are they saying for this year's hurricane season? Yeah, so like you said, we're not meteorologists, but our eyes are always on the tropics uh, during hurricane season. Last year was historic. There's 30 named storms, uh, 14 hurricanes, seven major hurricanes. And for this year, they're predicting a, you know, a very active hurricane season. They don't think it's going to be quite as active as last year, which, you know, fingers crossed that that's true. Um, but they do expect a lot of activity. I mean, we've already had a tropical cyclone. It, it never got named, I don't believe, but um, it definitely came across the coast, swept through, gave us some rain and whatnot. So, I mean, it's, it's already been active so far. There's a couple other um, tropical systems out there kind of doing their thing. So we're, we're expecting another busy, busy season. Fingers crossed that uh, it's not as busy as last year. Oh, yikes. Yeah. So what's what is MDOT's role in hurricanes, like before and after? Yeah. So before we are, we encourage people to go ahead and get their um, evacuation plans in place. So we we really promote to people how important it is to know your evacuation route, know where you're going to go, you know, make sure to let your neighbors know where you're going to go, um, have a hotel lined up or family members you can stay with. And that's just for your safety. And so um, on NDOT's end, what we actually do is, you know, we are, um, all of our crews are on standby. They're ready to go. They're either bringing down um, the high mass lights, they're preparing the bridges, taking out traffic control boxes um, to prevent any damage from being done from any of the equipment or anything. So we're doing that before the storm while y'all are doing your planning and whatnot. Um, y'all isn't the everyday person that uh, needs to be evacuating. And then, um, so we're just basically on standby during the storm. Our crews are out there, you know, they're in the uh, maintenance uh, sheds or the maintenance shops waiting. They might be at home, um, depending on when the storm hits. And then after, that is when it is our time to shine. So we are MDOT first responders. We come out there and we clear the roads for other first responders, for the emergency crews, for ambulances, police. And we are out there clearing the roads as quickly as possible so that we can get traffic 
flow in um, back to normal as much as possible. You know, throughout the year, uh, Waverly does a great job of putting out information on social media, hurricane preparedness information uh, throughout. Yeah, it's just a plug to go follow us on social. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get the plug in there, Waverly. Yeah, so follow at Mississippi DOT on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Everything we got, we put out hurricane tips, safe driving tips all throughout the year. But uh, we definitely put a big focus on hurricane safety during hurricane season. Well, that's at Mississippi DOT? Yes, at Mississippi DOT. There you go. There you go. But, yes, uh, a lot of hurricane preparedness information is on the social media channels during this time of the year. Um, and can you, Katie, give us a little um, insight into kind of what that hurricane preparedness, those tips and information is? Yeah, absolutely. So, as I said before, you know, evacuation is the number one thing that MDOT drives home. We want everybody to have a plan in place. We want you to know what your evacuation route is because not everybody can take Highway 49 to evacuate. And so we uh, we have a map. We have our hurricane guide, and inside there is an evacuation map, and it's got more than 20 different routes that people can take, and it's such a nifty tool. It's so easy to get access to. Um, you can get a tangible copy. You can, you know, order it on our website um, at uh, gomdot.com slash maps, and then um, you can also download it, too, at gomdot.com slash hurricanes. And so it's got tips in there about contraflow, about, um, again, those evacuation routes, numbers to call. So um, we encourage people to get that resource to help them with their planning and whatnot. We also have a checklist because we want people to go ahead and get their preparedness kit in place. And um, basically all that is is just a kit full of different material you will need to uh to be away from your home for up to 14 days, you know, water, food, um, batteries, different things like that. So once you get your plan in place, we want you to have a preparedness kit and we want you to know where you're going to go. And again, we've got different kind of resources to, to help everybody figure that out. And uh, the checklist and the map, they are, they're really vital. They're really crucial. Yeah. So where can you find all that stuff? Yeah, so again, our website is the best place to find it. GoM.com slash maps is where you can order all this stuff, and it'll be shipped right to your house. Um, but if you just want to download it or pull it up on your phone, you could go to GoM.com slash hurricanes. And, you know, you plug uh, social media, and that's a great place to, you know, constantly updating uh, Facebook and Twitter with, you know, what's happening, whether it's, you know, road closures or, hey, it's hurricane season. Make sure to get your uh, checklist uh printed out and ready to go or get your kit ready so um, just a lot of different avenues to get all those resources yeah and then we also um, as the weather approaches as a hurricane approaches a tropical storm whatever we also post um, we share from our partners at MEMA at the National Weather Service we post updates on the weather we aren't meteorologists but we do try and use every opportunity to inform the public about um, what's coming on yeah, because at the end of the day, that's our number one goal. We want to keep everybody safe, and an informed public is a safe public. So, I mean, our goal is to just use as many outlets as we can to get the information out to as many people as we can. Yeah, and you said earlier um, a little something about contraflow. Can you explain a little bit about that? Because I don't, th- I don't think a lot of people know exactly what that is. Yeah, there's there's always sometimes confusion and just you know. Uh, misunderstood information about contraflow. So basically what contraflow is, is just when um, I-55 and I-59, all lanes of traffic turn northbound. And that is only going to happen if the Louisiana governor requests it and Mississippi's governor approves it. 
and the point of it is to evacuate the lower Louisiana parishes, a little, a few of the um, coastal Mississippi uh, counties, but it's primarily to help Louisiana. Basically, just all four lanes of traffic will again turn northbound. All the uh, evacuees will head out, get to safety, and um, it'll turn back to normal around the Brookhaven, Hattiesburg uh, areas. And then um, things get back to normal. Some exits will be blocked off um, and whatnot. And, you know, we had a drill not too long ago, which made sure that all of our MDOT workers were ready to go and uh, made sure that they knew what to do and whatnot. And it went really well. So if that does happen this year, we hope not. Um, We know our, our crews are prepared for it. That's really good information. Contraflow is definitely something you hear, but it's really good to get just a great explanation of what exactly it is as, as, we, um, as we move through hurricane season. Uh, speaking of hurricane evacuation routes, um, recently repaired the Fort Bayou Bridge in Ocean Springs. That was a big maintenance project. So you can, talk, can you talk about that and then just talk overall about the importance of maintenance? Yeah, absolutely. So the 609 bridge, you know, we had to do a full closure. Um, So this be 45 days, had to be a little longer. But the point to doing that was so that we could um, basically just redo the entire bridge. It was old. We hadn't had a maintenance project to this bridge in, you know, 30 plus years. And so it, it needed to be done. And because, like you said, it's a hurricane evacuation route, it was even more important that we did this maintenance project. And so, um, we, our goal was to get it open, back open from that closure before hurricane season, and we were able to do it, which is awesome. But uh, this, it's not done yet. We still have some more technical things to do, um, but it won't disrupt the public as much, which is really good. Uh, some and it's few, open. Yeah, yeah, it's open. There's a few overnight closures, but um, we were able to get it back open before hurricane season. But, I mean, you think about a bridge, you know, you constantly have to make sure that it is safe. You have to make sure that the wear and tear hasn't worn it down. I mean, you're constantly, you know, making little maintenance repairs to make it last longer. And um, throughout the years, we've been doing small maintenance projects to the bridge and keeping up with it. And that's why we hadn't had to do a major project until, you know, 30 plus years. And so it's like a car, you know, if you want it to last longer, you have to constantly get an oil change or new tires. It's, it's the same thing. So we're always keeping our eyes on um, bridges and roads and maintenance projects because it is so vital to, um, to the safety of our drivers. Yeah. And you don't always think about how, if a bridge were to go down during hurricane season, that completely, I mean, blocks a community from safe evacuation. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it was such an important project to get done and back open for hurricane season, because that's a major evacuation route that thousands of people could take. And, you know, we don't want to cause any more backups or uh, traffic jams because of a closed uh, evacuation route. Uh, really great information about hurricane preparedness. And uh, before we get you out of here, can you talk a little bit about some of the projects going on in the, the Southern District? Anything major you want to talk about? Yeah, so we have a lot going on in South Mississippi. Um, we actually just, our Evelyn Gandy interchange, um, It we just were able to open a newly constructed bridge. It's a huge interchange project. It's been going on for about two years now, about a $24.2 million project. Um, It's going to be great once everything's officially back open, but we were able to uh, open 
the new bridge a couple weeks ago and get traffic moving on there. So that's awesome. That's moving forward, hopefully get done, you know, late summer. We've also got the safety improvement project also in kind of the same area, about 15 minutes down the road from there. And basically it's just making 49 safer for drivers. I mean, um, they're currently working on grading work in the median and the southbound outside shoulders, you know, drainage culvert work. Um, and they're also uh, doing some work to the existing southbound lanes in several locations. They're just basically reconstructing them to remove steep vertical curves. And that's just basically to make it easier for drivers to see the roadways, you know, when they're traveling, not as many hills and whatnot, just kind of leveling everything out. Again, safety is our top priority, and this is a big safety improvement project. Um, you know, we also have in Marion County a uh, bridge replacement on I on uh, excuse me on 198, and it, that's moving forward as well. Crews are working on um, the caps of one of the bridges, so that's going according to schedule, and uh, we're doing really well with that. So we're making some really good progress down in South Mississippi. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We learned a lot today um, about South Mississippi and about hurricanes. And can you tell us one more time where we can get our hurricane evacuation guide, our checklist, all that kind of stuff? Yes, absolutely. Um, our website's the best place to find all that, goimdot.com slash hurricanes. And then if you want to per, uh, personally order your own map, uh, goimdot.com slash maps. And they're free. They are free. Can't free be free. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much. As you hit the roads this summer, make sure you hit the brakes in work zones. In 2019, there were more than 750 crashes nationwide and 16% of fatalities in work zones were workers. These men and women are trying to make the roads a safer place for everyone. So let's do the same for them. Slow down in work zones. Excited to introduce our next guest, Mr. Brad White, MDOT's newest executive director. Today is his first official day um, in office, and we're so grateful for him taking the time out of his day to sit down with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, before we get started, we just wanted to get to know a little bit about you. So, can you tell us a little bit about how you got your start? In 1991, a guy named Ray Layton, who was a former mayor in uh, Simpson County, where I'm from, got me involved in Kirk Fordyce's gubernatorial campaign. And back at that time, anyone that would remember, no one expected him to win the Republican primary, much less a general election. And uh, so that kind of started it off. And I became very active uh, in the political world at that time, uh, which led me to meeting a guy named Dick Hall, uh, who was also politically active. And then when he was appointed transportation commissioner in 1999, uh, he afforded me the opportunity to come with him to the Department of Transportation. And so you were uh, named executive director at the beginning of June. So how uh, how's the last month been for you? Well, it's been rather hectic trying to close out uh, my office in the governor's office and then uh, acquiring information here and preparing to, to come to the Department of Transportation and hit the ground running. But it's been good. Everybody's been very helpful. Uh, I found everything just like it was when I left here 15 years ago. A, a great atmosphere, wonderful people. 
very inviting and very helpful. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the sort of positives about MDOT. So why why were you interested in this position? Well, when I came to work here in, like I said, 1999, one of the things that stood out to me immediately was just the sense of family here. Uh, at that time, the commissioner's offices were on the 10th floor, and the executive director was a guy named Ken Warren, who I think had been at the Department of Transportation since God was a boy. And everybody, if you went around the 10th floor, most of the office directors, the assistant chief engineers, everyone, I think, had a minimum uh, 35 years of service and were just mm -hmm. all wonderfully good Christian people. And so my first uh, exposure to the agency was very positive, and it was a very important time in my life as a young man. And uh, so I've always looked back at the agency of, after I left as just one of the best places that I'd ever worked. And my career took several different paths uh, that ultimately led me into management and being more of an administrator and uh, having an opportunity to serve as chief of staffs of other state agencies here as well as uh, in Washington for a couple of U.S. senators. And so I was fortunate enough to have developed skills that hopefully will be able to be put to work back here, kind of where my public service career started in earnest. And, uh, it's my intention to work in a way that will reflect credit upon the agency and the industry. Brad, uh, you mentioned uh, your time with Commissioner Hall. Can you, can you go into a little uh, more detail about kind of your time with, with the commissioner? And uh, has he offered you any advice? He has offered quite a lot of advice over the years. Uh, Dick Hall and Thad Cochran are probably two of the most influential people in my life. Uh, I wouldn't have had a college education if it wasn't for Commissioner Hall. When I was a senior in college, my parents divorced, and uh, it led me to, to dropping out of school and going to work. And he gave me a job and hired me here. And uh, as soon as I was financially able, he allowed me to go back to college at night. So ultimately, I got my degree from Bellhaven here in Jackson by working at MDOT during the day and going there at night. And I don't think I would have been able to do that without his help and support uh, during that time, which goes back to what I was saying earlier, that support didn't just come from him, but everybody else here in the department around. Um, so he's a very important figure in my life, not just from what he's done for me personally, but learning uh, his management skills and watching him. And then, of course, Senator Cochran, you know, there was nobody like Thad Cochran. And uh, I've always said that whoever writes the book about Thad Cochran's life could title it When Mississippi Got It Right, because he was one of our smartest, best, uh, most capable public servants that I ever had the opportunity of working with and just his uh, service as a gentleman and as a, just a, a true patriot uh, taught me a lot of valuable lessons in my time with him as well. We talked about your time at the state level with uh, Commissioner Hall. You have a lot of experience at the federal level too, Chief of Staff uh, for late Senator Thad Cochran, uh, for current uh, U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. So I'm sure you dealt with some transportation infrastructure, policy, funding, et cetera. Can you talk about your experience with that and how maybe that will help you in uh, your role as the MDOT leader? Well, originally, you know, we had earmarks back in the days when Senator Lott and Cochran both were in, in Washington. And a lot of the uh, transportation needs that the state had were met by virtue of them holding a knife whenever the pie was getting cut and being able to funnel funds here for things like the Greenville-Mississippi River Bridge. Uh, comes to mind that was a $100 million earmark that started that project. But Senator Cochran, by the time I became his chief of staff, was still serving as chairman of the Appropriations Committee. So most of the involvement that we had in transportation all came from the funding side of it. 
because as you know, the uh, nationally we're dealing with a declining revenue problem with the, where it comes to fuel tax and um, Congress meets that by just plugging that hole, plugging that deficit with the general appropriation. So Senator Cochran chairing the appropriations committee, we were very involved in the appropriation process of allocating funds out for all parts of the federal government, which included obviously the transportation. So and you talked a little bit about funding, but from your perspective, what do you think that MDOT needs moving forward? Well, I think we need a better relationship with the legislature. Uh, and I think that that begins just by building trust uh, and trust runs both ways. We have to get to a part where, and a point where we can trust them and they can trust us. Uh, I'd like to think that uh, some of my past roles have given me the opportunity to develop a reputation of somebody that is an honest broker and will, will keep my word and, and try to find ways to get to yes and be cooperative and collaborative and all the measures there and hopefully that's something that we can build on. Um, but I believe that you know, we've, we have a lot of talent here. We certainly have uh, a team of people that know how to do their job and know how to do it well. What we need is a partnership with our state leaders to ensure that we have the resources and tools to, to do the job and the mission that we've been tasked with. And uh, I think that would be one of my first priorities is trying to do, deal with them to address the issues that are important to us. Do you have uh, like a 100-day plan? I know you just mentioned, you know, that, that priority, but and uh, do you ha yeah, do you have something, some things you want to do, do right off the bat? observing at first. You know, I, I want everyone to give me a chance and not to um, prejudge me before I come in. And so if I'm requesting that from our team here in the agency, I feel like it's very important for me to reciprocate in kind. So I'm not coming in with any preconceived notions. I want to do a lot of observing. I want to ask a lot of questions. I want to learn a lot. And I've, I've got lists of things like that that I'm, I've thought about that I want to look into and want to know more about, uh, but I'm not coming in with any set agenda to start enacting any type of change yet. You know, I want to spend my time observing, learning, and then figuring out a course of action. So you talked a little bit earlier about um, how your time at MDOT, you, you saw how much of a family and how what a great experience working here. Um, are you excited to get back to that? Very much so. A lot of the people that are here now were here when I was there before. Charles Carr, Roy Tipton, Jeff Altman, uh, Brian Ratcliffe, uh, Amy Hornback. I mean, in many senses, it's kind of like coming home. And uh, when I got off the elevators onto the floor where my office will be, you know, that's where I left from 15 years ago. So uh, it's, it's got a very nostalgic feeling to it, but uh, it, it, it brings a, it's a great source of joy. I love that. Uh, just from uh, perusing your Twitter profile, it's a great way to get to know someone. We, uh, we noticed that you're a, a big time reader. Uh, are there, is there anything that you're reading right now and maybe anything that could help you, um, you know, as you begin your, your journey as executive director? Or anything that you suggest that other people read. There you go. <laughs> Right now I'm reading a, a biography on uh, Henry Clay, former Speaker of the House, U.S. Senator, was Secretary of State, and uh, in my opinion I think he was probably one of the most pivotal and consequential figures of the 19th century that didn't become president. Um, but he's known for several things, but the thing that I guess I admire was he was the architect of finding ways of bringing people together to avoid a civil war. 
and the Civil War would have probably happened many years earlier if not for him and trying to work out compromise and seeking uh, common ground and finding a way to to move people together forward and uh, so I think that's a, a valuable trait to try to learn from and hopefully emulate as, as we move forward and trying to direct the team here. Uh, can you maybe talk a little more about your your leadership style? Yeah um, I don't think I'm a micromanager. I like to uh, kind of point things in a direction and then have capable and talented people that know how to do their job and then just get out of their way. I mean, that's kind of been, uh, I think, people that have worked on staffs where I've been the chief of staff before would, would say. I've been very fortunate to have really good people around me, and I know that that's going to be the case here. And when that is the situation, I mean, you just give people the tools and resources to do their job, the direction, and, the, and then the support and the backing to do it. Um, and I try not to uh, micromanage anything. And that was one of the things earlier we were talking about, Commissioner Hall, that was something I learned both for he and Senator Cochran, and that that's kind of how they were. That's how both of them treated me when I worked for each of them individually, was they always set a very clear direction uh, for me to go in, and then they got out of the way and allowed me to, to do that. So I tried to delegate and I try to focus on big picture things and I try to support the people that are on the ground and that are doing all the things that truly make the agency work. You know, so I, what I look to do is try to identify those types of resources and, and support that is needed uh, that I can provide and help make sure is available to all the staff here uh, so they can more easily and better do their job. I know uh, we all work for, here at MDOT, we all work for the taxpayer. So do you have um, anything that you'd like to say, speak directly to the taxpayer and, and say uh, that you would like to accomplish at MDOT? Or, you know, what can you, what can you tell them that, that you yeah, want I to do? I think that we are ultimately, that's who we're responsible to. Uh, the, the voters of this state elect the commission that is the policy developing arm and board of directors, if you will, of the agency. And I think that it's very important to remember that that's who we work for and we have a responsibility of how we spend their money. Uh, you know, the thing about government is we cannot receive a penny that we first don't take from somebody. So I think that we have a, a huge responsibility in the way that we administer things here. And I think that's part of what will be needed in uh, building better relationships with elected leaders around the state and as well as in our congressional delegation is to show that we can be faithful and not just the big things but the small things as well ultimately keeping in mind the people that are paying the bill is there anything else you'd like to uh to touch on uh, as you begin no i'm just excited about the opportunity i'm appreciative of the commission giving me this opportunity the support that they've given the support i've received from the governor and the leadership in the legislature uh, this government is a team sport, and it's going to take everybody working together to do that, and I'm excited about being a part of it and looking forward to it. Well, Brad, thank you so much for thank joining us. I know you're, you're a busy man, you so appreciate it. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more episodes of The Extra Mile, be sure to subscribe or download wherever podcasts can be found. A special thanks to our producer and one of today's guests, Katie Hornsby, and our editor, Drew Hall. And a reminder, as always, remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi Highways.